To the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home. But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and sometimes brutal competition. And there, in the midst of it all, stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate. We've got one of those leaders here for you today. I'm Jessica Edgerton. And I'm Tarko Heidinga from leading real estate companies of the world. Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. A very big welcome to all our listeners here at another episode here of Million Dollar Question. And we are very honored today to have a very special guest living in Singapore, but doing business all around the world. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have somebody that is going to explain to us why do investors need an international one-stop shop for all their property needs? Very excited to have this guest. I was already looking so much forward to having him here on the show. So let's just jump right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have here with me James Pottle. And James is the CEO and founder of One Global Group. One Global is a key resource connector for all matters related uh, to real estate for investors and owners all across the world. The name invokes uh, the dedication to an all-encompassing service, and one-stop service point for an investment property that bridge, bridges sales, leasing, finance, interior design, furnishing, and property management. Uh, before founding One uh, Global Property Services, James gained over 10 years of experience in London and a wider UK in the wider UK residential market. With two of UK's most well-known real estate firms, Hamptons International and Strutter and Parker, working within their respective London-based residential development and investment teams. Through consulting on diverse array uh, of mixed use and new development residential-led development projects, James gained a wealth of experience marketing developments in Southeast Asia and the Middle East. In particular, while establish, uh, establishing and heading up Strata Parker's international project marketing team. Today, with one global group, James leads this marketing-leading boutique real estate agency with its head office located in Singapore and covering the Asia-Pacific region with regional offices in Hong Kong, Malaysia, Shanghai, and now also expanding in UK. Providing a solution for all your property needs, whatever and wherever they may be. Offering an end-to-end -end service, they are the trusted advisors to many clients making property transactions uh, in the UK, Singapore, and other vibrant international markets extremely simple. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. James Pottle. Hi, James. How are you? Hi, Taco. Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Thanks for inviting me on. It's great to be here today. Yeah, it's wonderful to also have you here, and I know that you have an extremely busy schedule. We were talking a bit before the session. You were traveling a lot, and uh, yeah, luckily we could have you here for, uh, with us today. And uh, we're going to talk about some very interesting things, but before... Uh, you know, we dive deep into it. Uh, how are things on your side of the world? You know, uh, you're based in, in Singapore. What is happening in Singapore? And since you also have, you know, a, a wide range of offices in the, in the region, how are things in Asia in general? Yeah, no, things are, things are pretty good, actually, I would, I would say, Taka, here, certainly here in Singapore anyway. I mean, you know, a bit like where you are over in Malaysia, things have, things have started opening up progressively really since the beginning of this year. And I'd say... You know, after what was what was a pretty difficult couple of years, Singapore feels like it's got a real buzz about it at the moment. Um, 
you know, no travel restrictions, everything's open, people are back and, you know, really happy to be out and about meeting people and doing business. So feel feels that there's a, a really good vibe here and, and really good sentiment generally. So no, it's, um, yeah, no, it's good. And, and yeah, you know, the, I mean, the rest of the region, I'd say Southeast Asia, generally speaking, seems to be, seems to be going in the right direction. Everything's opening up. Um, I was, I was actually in Hong Kong about four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, because we've got an office there, um, and it felt very, very different there. I mean, as, as you know, that's still going through a bit of a tough time, um, North Asia, China, and Hong Kong. So, yeah, but it, good, good to get into Hong Kong. I mean, I used to be there every every sort of four or five weeks, or maybe even less than that, and hadn't been there for two and a half years. So, great to get in there once you get the hotel quarantine out of the way. But um, but yeah, still, still, unfortunately, you know, sentiment there is pretty difficult still as a result. But hopefully, that will improve soon. Wonderful, wonderful. So the the quarantine for Hong Kong is still, I, I think, seven days when you get in. Yeah, still seven days. They're, they're talk, talking about reducing that down to five days soon. Um, but everyone's waiting to see, really. But yeah, you've still got a, you know, very odd experience arriving at the airport, Hong Kong airport. Usually, a busy, buzzing place is empty and taking a quarantine bus and put into a hotel. So not a lot of fun, but thankfully only a week. Interesting. 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 We will talk a little bit more about uh, uh, China later and maybe Hong Kong dive a little bit deeper. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I want to go straight to, you know, this show is all about the million dollar question and, 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 you know, doing some research and t talking with each other uh, uh, during past events and knowing each other a little bit better. Uh, there's just this one question that really came to mind uh, in preparation of, of talking with you, right? You know, One Global stands for what it calls a one-stop shop for all property needs, you know? Uh, and the question is, of course, why do we need these kinds of services, right? Is there a growing demand for international property investments? And, and what opportunities should, should investors think of uh, when it comes to uh, international property investment? Yeah, no. Look, so I mean, I mean, I mean that that that's as you've seen uh, seen from us. I mean, in, in terms of the way we position our business. I mean, look, I I, I set up One Global about six years ago, um, having having worked for some of the bigger corporates, and you know, we we re we really wanted to aspire, and the ethos was to create create something that provided a high quality service to to our investor clients, to our clients that was had a personal touch. And, and all those different touch points that, that any investor needs when they're looking at, you know, ultimately investing significant amounts of their money, often in, you know, far, far off places halfway around the world. And, you know, they, they, need, they need the right touch points and the right services to enable them to ensure that, A, they've got the comfort, um, it's all managed for them on their behalf and all, all done properly, you know, hassle-free and doesn't cause any problems. And they're getting the right advice. So... You know, we, 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 we decided, I decided when I set up the business that we would focus on, we would focus on our core business, which is, 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 is sales and marketing and, and providing that investment advice. And then we would bolt on all of those different ancillary services, but we wouldn't do that ourselves. We would work with strategic partners in the different jurisdictions that we operate in, but without trying to do everything ourselves. And that's, that's kind of what we've maintained as we've grown the business. So whether it be lettings and management, for example, in, in Hong Kong and Singapore, we, we co-share our offices with a company called Life Residential. Um, and Life Residential are a lettings and management agency business with 11 offices across London. And that, that, that enables you know, investors to come into our offices here in Asia, to sit down, 
to go through that kind of um, consultative approach as to what they should invest in and then be able to get that advice and then have representation on the ground in London. And then we've also additionally looked at doing the same in regional cities as well. So rather than one partner, partners in the right locations. And that, that really gives our investor clients you know, the, the right kind of level of, of, of advice rather than just pushing them down a route um, that might not be right. And in, in addition to that, we've also set up an interior design business, um, which is a sort of sister company of One Global. Um, and that again enables us to provide our investor clients full turnkey service when it comes to furnishing their apartments, providing kind of bespoke design, whatever it might be. Um, so that, that hopefully kind of gives you a flavor of you know, what we do at One Global. And definitely give, it gives us a flavor uh, of your services. And then, uh, and I think it's a brilliant idea, especially uh, since you have this global approach, right? And, and obviously everything works differently in different parts of the world. So kind of giving that full overview and that, and that guidance, uh, uh, that does bring the question like, like what additional opportunities does that bring for investors, right? Since these processes you make easier for them, uh, what opportunities do you see? Do, do you think that would increase people's confidence in doing more global investments rather than doing investments in, in their own hometown or in their own country? Yeah, no, definitely. Look, I think, I think you know, pe- people are busy, aren't they? And, and when they're investing their money, they want, they want people they, they can trust involved with that process um, to, to take, take the hassle out of it and make sure that they've got everything managed for them, which ultimately over time will then Hopefully, you know, the objective is to help them grow their wealth and enable them to invest in, in other properties or, or make other investments. So that might be, you know, part of their strategy might be diversification. So it might be that they, they say, right, you know, One Global, we want to invest in the UK, but we want some property in London and some in regional cities for different reasons, whether it's yield or capital appreciation, or, or it might be that they own property elsewhere. Um, or they want to you know, have investment property in the UK and Australia, for example. I mean, UK and Australia, from an overseas international perspective, are our two markets. And we find that some of our investor clients want to have a portfolio that's diversified into both markets. So I think that's kind of, kind of what we're able to do and cater for. And it also might be that, you know, that they might own a property that they want to then sell free up some equity or for, for whatever reason it might be and we can also help with that so coming back to that kind of one-stop shop we, we we work with a lot of our clients to say look here, here's a valuation we can go get the property valued we can work with our partners to do that and then we can help them sell that then free up equity to then maybe invest in you know other properties as well so i think there's that that kind of that one-stop shop creates those those wider opportunities definitely Wonderful, wonderful. Like I said, amazing idea, great idea, kind of having that one-stop shop and then representing in multiple locations, multiple countries. And since you're your company and yourself, you know, you 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 are you have so many insights, right, on on the property landscape and different parts of the world. I'm I'm quite sure that you also see a, a lot of challenges. And I'm 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 curious to know where do you see the biggest challenges when it comes to, you know, global investments, people going outside of their own you know, country zone and investing globally. Where's the biggest challenges and what would you advise people that are thinking of investing outside of their own country? What should they watch out for? Yeah, I think, I mean, there are always, there are always lots of challenges and risks and any, and probably arguably even more so in recent years, given, given, you know, what's going on 
geopolitics, COVID and everything else. So so I think there are lots of challenges and we, we try and keep abreast of those. But if if if, if we look at if we if we look in simple terms, you know, really really helping them understand what they need to do before they even invest. You know, what and and, and, and most of the a lot of the time that can be down to, to getting finance. You know, getting finance as, as an international buyer. If we if we just take Singapore for example um, or, or Hong Kong, for that matter, it used to be a lot easier for overseas buyers to get finance in the UK. Yeah. Um, there's there's as, uh, progressively over recent years, there's been a lot more um, bureaucracy, red tape that's come in with that process. COVID has exacerbated that. Um, the way banks look at international buyers from an anti-money laundering point of view, not to say that they're money laundering, but there's a lot more, there can be a lot more frustration in the process. And we, we find that that, you know, you can you can sell someone a property, but then it can really reflect badly on on you as the agency business if you if you haven't held their hand properly, yeah, and and talk them through the kind of potential pitfalls of that or what they need to consider rather than just a lot a lot of people will just go and sell them the property and then kind of wash their hands of it. We we kind of strive to really try and you know, without scaring them off at the outset, but but just talking them through all those considerations and that kind of buying process they need to consider. But I would say, I'd say mortgages, getting mortgage finance can be can be the biggest issue. Not to say that international buyers can't get it, but yeah. it's just a longer process than it used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think I think that's a real consideration. And then um, and then just just the just the un, the uncertainty. I mean, I, I would would say at the moment there's there is definitely. In, in lots of kind of global markets, particularly if you look at the UK, for example, or even Singapore, there's there's a real kind of, you know, because of COVID, there's build costs have gone up, construction costs, there's a lot less property being built, prices have risen considerably. So, yeah, um, you know, we, we, we've seen that, we've seen that over the last two years in the UK, and it's made it really difficult for international buyers to actually get into the market because things out here have, have seemed quite difficult because we've all been locked away at home, whereas the UK has been open and the market's been booming. So it's actually made international buyers, their perception in terms of value, but getting into the market has been quite difficult. So, you know, there's been a lot of kind of hand-holding on that side of things as well. And the same applies to other markets. I can uh, I can imagine that, yeah. Uh, the Of course, the... the um, uh, yeah, we, we, we briefly talked about uh, uh, Hong Kong, right, and, and Shanghai, all of China, right? I, I can imagine those challenges have been, have been really big in, in the last two years and probably even bigger just this year, right, since uh, with the policies that, that China has. You mentioned you just went to Hong Kong. What, what is your outlook for, for that region, uh, you know, investments going in and outside of China? Do you, do you see those challenges only becoming bigger or do you see things easing over time now um i don't know i'm i'm more of an optimist i think things i think things will improve over time i mean you know i mean i mean re, i mean look from a, from a, from a kind of overseas investment perspective i outbound outbound from hong kong um you know that that has been that has been really slow I, actually throughout 2020 after they changed the the the, um, the policies after the riots and everything yeah. Business, business from our perspective, and there was a lot of kind of outbound investment as as COVID's gone on and on and on, and you know it's become more insular, Hong Kong and China, and things have just continued. You know, we're two and two, whatever, two and a half years into this now, and borders are still closed. Travel is is incredibly difficult. 
lots of people have got very very frustrated in Hong Kong, um, and and as a result, it's just it's just really kind of slowed down, and no one's really no one's really doing anything at the moment. And and how long does it go on for? I mean, there is there is a sort of view that hopefully towards the end of this year that will start to change, and they'll you know there's talk of them kind of changing their policy a bit. Yeah. Um, if, if if that happens, then I think I think things will. Um, you know, I think I think Hong Kong is still a still a fantastic place, and and I think it will. Um, you know, it won't be the same as it was, but it but it still it still has a lot of opportunities. But they do need to to change the policy around um, around travel and everything else. So if they can do that, I think I think that kind of international hub will. Um, you know, will still still maintain that status to a certain extent. I mean, Singapore has. You know, we benefited hugely in Singapore. Um, from from all the issues going going on there, and lots of people have been have been moving here to Singapore, which is not just Hong Kong, but you know, lots of people have been moving here. I mean, rents have gone up somewhere between thirty and forty yeah. percent since even August last year. You know, you can't rent a property here very easily now, and there's and there's not a new construction, which is this is fairly kind of you know trend that's going on globally anyway, but. Um, that that's a real yeah. real issue here. It's very difficult to rent because of what's going on in Hong Kong. Lots of people moving here, yeah, and businesses yeah. and everything else. Yeah. So, in, in answer to your question, I'm 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 an optimist, yeah. And I think um, you know, what, hopefully, the border between China and Hong Kong that that really has an impact on what we do as well, because traditionally, lots of lots of investors used to come in from China into Hong Kong to invest um, and and to yeah. buy property overseas. And because that border has been closed for so long now. You know, there just hasn't been that that massive traffic coming into the city. Um, yeah, but yeah. we are we are you know we are still trading there and we're seeing people invest. It's it's interesting because there's a, the the buyer the buyer profile for investing in overseas property there has dramatically changed. You, you've got a lot of you've got a lot of buyers that are that are moving to the UK. If we look at the UK market, or moving back to Australia, or, or looking to move yeah. move money out of Hong Kong, but they're looking for own use. They're looking for investment but future to live in so it's a completely different consideration it takes a lot longer rather than that kind of you know what we have seen for years and years and years which is that impulse investment you know buy buy a property yeah. uh, for investment purposes that that whole market's been being dead now for so long oh, that's a, that's that's really sad to hear yeah and uh, and yeah I, I i heard it recently on the on the news here somewhere somebody said very Wisely, why well, you cannot keep the doors closed forever, right? I mean, at a certain point, you have to open the doors, and and as uh, and for their own benefit and their markets and their growth. I mean, I think they will have one of the slowest growths uh, of this year, as projected for all of China. At a certain point, you have to open that up again to to get some prosperity and and move move forward, right? Uh, and and yeah, I, I think it's good that you're optimistic there. Uh, but the question is always how long, right? How long is that going to how take? Long, yeah. when, when are they going to do that? So uh, that's a question we all are sitting on. Do you, like you said, uh, when when uh, when things were happening on on a political side in 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 uh, in Hong Kong, then I think would you say that Singapore was the big winner there because of the situation there of 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 most people moving towards Singapore? Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think no, I think I think that's been happening slowly for years anyway. But it's definitely been. Exacerbated. I think. I mean, everyone has this view that it's it's just Hong Kongers that have been moving to Singapore. But I, I think I think, and that's why property has become difficult to to rent. I'm not I'm not convinced that's just the case. I think I think it's been happening for a long period anyway. But you know, in COVID and the restrictions easing just exacerbated that. And Singapore, 
you know, the Singapore government have done a very good job, and it's it's seen as a very um, you know, very safe place and to to to, to live and all, all those sorts of contributing factors that I think have you know just kind of exacerbated that. Um, and the government here have been very good at or very they're very good at cooling the market down. So they you know they're implementing additional tax measure, measures for foreigners and things to you know to put the brakes on that investment into Singapore and to control yeah. the market. Interesting, interesting. Uh, let's go di- a bit deeper into into Singapore, right? Like you, you have offices everywhere. Like I said, very regional, very global. Uh, but uh, what made you specifically choose Singapore as your head office uh, to to open there? Uh, is that was that a, a, a specific choice? Uh, was that a conscious choice to 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 operate from there? Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, I mean well, it, I mean it was. Well, per- well, it was partly personal, partly partly opportunity that I saw at the time. Really, I mean, my, my wife is um, is half Singaporean, and um, while she was born in born in in the UK and is you know British passport holder, her mum is Chinese Singaporean. So, oh, okay. you know, Bre- Brexit. There was a kind of ca- culmination of things. Brexit happened in the UK. My company at the time was being bought out. You know, I quite fancied doing my own thing and saw a bit of an opportunity in the market here. I, you know, I want to, having worked for the big corporates and I think they're great and the big brands and everything else. I, you know, I saw a bit of an opportunity to to do something boutique and a bit different and all the things we talked about earlier. You know, provide a good yeah. high quality of service and, and Singapore as a you know, from a tax perspective, it's it's a, it's a good place to operate a business. So I think it was a combination of things, but family probably, um, you know, family probably kind of. Um, was was the overriding factor there? I, would, I, 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 you know, I believe. Yeah, nice, very, very nice. I, I, I truly love Singapore. I mean, it's a great place, a nice place, very, very nice to do business, and uh, and I think a good choice to kind of a good hub, right? Also easy to travel from Singapore to different places across. Asia, so uh, definitely, uh, definitely good. Uh, uh, moving on, uh, of course, uh, James, you are a member uh, with uh, leading real estate companies of the world, a proud member uh, with, uh, with, uh, of course, your Singaporean office in Hong Kong, and, uh, and now also expanded uh, to the UK. Um, just uh, what are some of the benefits that you see that that leading our brings to your organization? Yeah, no, look, I am I am a very proud member of Leading RE and have have been since the beginning actually, and even before that, I was um, I was involved when I was at, when I was at Stratton Parker in the UK, who who remember there. So um, so yeah, look, big 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 fan of the network. I think it brings many different things. Um, you know, we're we're now at a stage where we've grown quite a lot. At the, at the beginning, at the beginning for me, it was the network. You know, it was the network. It was being able to. You know, I love I love the network. I love um, collaborating with everyone around the world and having that kind of interaction and the events and everything else. And from a from a branding perspective, it was very good. Um, and to you know ultimately to be able to refer refer business uh, you know refer business around the world and have that standing as an independent strong independent agency in those markets, but the ability to to promote yourself that you've got a you know you can pick up the phone to anyone anywhere in the world. Um, and have a conversation and, and help someone with, with their real estate needs. So, you know, it's it's great from our perspective. I mean, we're we're now as as you as you said, um, you know, we we've now recently signed up as um, as the UK member, which I'm very very excited about. I mean, we're you know, we've we've grown and diversified quite a lot over the last five years, but but our our kind of expertise and where we started was always um, you know the UK market. So we were a bit of a 
not a funny member, but we sort of fell between two stools for a while because we, yeah. you know, we, we were in, located in Singapore and Hong Kong, but we were focused on outbound investment. Now we are set up and we've opened our office in the UK. It brings a whole nother level because we couldn't really benefit from from listing our, our properties. Now, yeah. now we can. So it's really exciting in that respect to be able to get as well as the network and that referral business, but be able to get that global exposure for our for our property listings. So, yeah, really exciting. Absolutely, and we are we are even excited uh, also, right, to 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 see you expand like this. Uh, it's always great to see our members expand, and uh, especially to such a vibrant market as as the UK, right? And you being there, and like I said, putting up the listings later, and uh, and and having that presence, you know, and that that really makes it uh, truly global, right? And, uh, and 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 well done on that. Congratulations on that to you and your team. Um, uh, and, and of course, uh, uh, upcoming will be the event, right, in uh, in Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, how important are events to you? You were just mentioning about networking. Of course, networking we can do in many ways, online, through email. But I, I know, James, that you are also a big fan of always making sure to join the events. How important is, is it for you to be present to those events? What does that do for your business, for yourself? Uh, how do you look at those events? Yeah, no, look, I, I, I love the events. And, and we had the recent one, didn't we, in Phuket, which was brilliant. Having, you know, having not, having been stuck on an island in Singapore for the last two years and, you know, doing everything behind Zoom. So, yeah, so that, that was fantastic. But for, for me, for me personally, and actually this time I, you know, I brought a few colleagues who hadn't, who had, they always hear me talk about the network, but I think that kind of firsthand attending the events, the networking, those kind of personal contacts that you build up, you know, are invaluable, you know, rather than, rather, I mean, it's great talking to someone over Zoom, but actually spending some time with, with people and it's, you know, it's really inspirational. You get, you know, you get you get a lot of ideas from these events as well, sitting around and, and listening to other experts around the world, and you know all the panels that you guys put together with with different different speakers, whether it be in the social media space or you know all the, all those sorts of things are really really beneficial. You, you ultimately take away, you know, you, you come away with it with some really inspirational good ideas at the end of it. Absolutely. So yeah, I will I will always attend them where I can. <laughs> yeah. American one, and then of course now the one upcoming is, is of course the Global Symposium. And if I can just say a quick few words about the Global Symposium, we will have the Global Symposium on the 29th of September, 30th and the 1st of October. So for all leading RE members that are listening in, we still have a couple of tickets left. So a book in, you will be able to meet James personally and I'll also be there. And uh, like James says, always a great way to connect, learn from each other and make sure that we stay up to date on what is happening in different parts of the world. Uh, so back to you, uh, James, looking at the future of real estate, right? What are some of the obstacles you see happening uh, in your business line right now? And uh, how are you preparing to overcome them? Do you know what? I think the biggest obstacle for us really to overcome is, is um, you know, is how we, how we market our product, how we market our property. I mean, particularly... You know, particularly the overseas international project marketing, it's it's a really kind of it's a really crowded space, and I think COVID's um, you know COVID's exacerbated that to a certain extent. So, you know, it's that, that that's really what we're spending a lot of time on at the moment, um, and have have been for you know the last kind of three to six months is is how do we how do we get our product out there and you know and, and generate sufficient good quality leads and, and eyeballs and interest on it. So. We've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes on that, um, and and also, I mean, just in a Singapore context alone, I mean, it varies, of course, globally in different markets. But you know, there's 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 a few disruptors in the market that um, 
you know, that are doing things very differently from the traditional way. And it's, it's, it's really just trying to keep up with that and making sure that we're sort of one step ahead and thinking about how we're going to approach it. Um, and that's where being an independent is, 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 really, is really good in that respect because I think the big corporates that aren't very nimble and, and can't necessarily change the way they're doing things for corporate reasons or whatever it might be, you know, that, that they're, they're going to get left behind to a certain extent. So yeah. that's, that's definitely something that we're, um, that we're seeing, um, you know, and, and the, the tools that the, the keeping up with the tools that people use to promote overseas property and, you know, making sure that you're up there and you're really thinking one step ahead in that respect, because, you know, buyers, buyers buy differently now. I mean, traditionally, us as a business and my career, we've done a lot of property events and exhibitions and things like that. And not to say that that is going to be completely removed from the sales process, but it's definitely changing. You know, buyers are getting younger and more affluent in the way that they're, the way that they're, um, you know, conversing with you and talking and, and, and how quickly they're getting information. So it's, um, you know, I'd say that, that that's the biggest, the biggest, um, the biggest hurdle, I suppose. Um, you know, and, and also just, the, all the all the things that are going on around the world at the moment, you know, all the geo geopolitics and, and everything else, just just making sure that we're um, we're, we're focusing yeah, on the right things and, and we're able to give our investors the right advice. I mean, we don't have a crystal ball, but it's just being able to to give the right advice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's nice. Nice. Very good. Go, going back to to that, what, what I'm curious about a little bit, uh, like you said. Uh, uh, real estate is 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 changing a bit, right? In how people buy and sell, with with uh, of course property technology coming in, prop tech, uh, different marketing um, uh, ways of doing marketing in the real estate, right? What what, are, what can you give us an example of new things that you're trying, right? Maybe not successful yet, but things that you are exploring, trying. You were doing like exhibitions. I know it's hard during COVID and. Maybe now with things opening up, it's not as busy as it used to be. But what are some new things that you're trying uh, that that you feel is 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 worth the investment, worth the time to to look into, and that you see that that would be maybe a new wave in how we market and sell property across the globe? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I th look, for keeping things relatively simple in that respect, I think it's. Um it's, it's the types of younger audiences and how you how you're promoting. So we're we're looking at we're looking at a lot more that we've ever done before a lot more a lot more sort of video content and, and you know not just the and I call them the boring sort of typical property development videos that are all very you know fluffy and you know going through development and things like that it's it's really finding a way to stand out amongst the crowd yeah, yeah. And, and and engage engage with the consumer and get their interest so you know we're spending a lot of time on that at the moment um, and and you know from from a, and I'm not I'm not you know I'm not particularly technical but you know in terms of how we are reaching them through social media and and the agencies and the companies that we're we're using to, to help us do that I, I have i have a big problem with how inconsistent a lot of this stuff is and i think that's part partly because it's quite a crowded space but yes um you know how inconsistent it is from 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 vendor to vendor and market to market as well so we're, we're trying to take a lot more control of that and take a lot more of it in-house um you know, and ultimately hire the right people to be able to help us kind of um, get under the bonnet, really, I suppose, and, and look at that. Because that, you know, ultimately, otherwise you can end up spending a lot of either your client's money or your own money um, and not really getting a return on your investment. So that's that's where we're spending a lot of our time at the moment. 
nice nice video right getting things visual definitely definitely crowded space but quality video is it's quite unique out there right people a lot of people are shouting through video but getting good content out there through video that is that's quite unique so so good job on that that is a, that is really uh, really wonderful and keep doing that I'm sure that that eventually will get a, a return of investment. Another thing that that I found very interesting uh, exploring your website. By the way, you have a very n- great website. I would ever anybody you know, I would definitely recommend uh, uh, going to the website of One Global. A lot of great information there, great stuff. And one of the things, as I was kind of reading, browsing through it, is that One Global is uh, is is very focused on on attracting the right team. Right. right? That before everything else, you kind of put a lot of focus and time going around the region, talking to people and getting those right people on the uh, on the right place, right? And and I think that, that, of course, sounds very great, but doesn't always seem that easy to do, right? I think there's a lot of time that has to go into it, finding these right people. So how important is, is a good team and how do you know that an individual is basically fit or or the right member for your team. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's that's a difficult one. I mean mo- mostly so far we you know we've been we've been very fortunate. I mean when when I started the business, um, I was very lucky if you like or fortunate in terms of timing. I managed to persuade a very strong team from another corporate to buy into my vision and come and join One Global when it was just me and one other, and that kind of snowballed and enabled us. And you know, the very experienced team trusted already in the market well connected and then and that that almost that almost then snowballed if you like and attracted other other kind of like-minded people so you know we, we've grown from a few of us five years ago to over 50 of us now and we haven't we haven't you know i'm not going to sit here and say we've got that that process right 100 percent of the time but um but i think we're now made up of a good good it's all about your people right i mean you can't you can't do it, do it without having the right people but i think we've we've so far got like-minded people that are very experienced in their core markets that have come in and and most have come from the big corporates that have built successful careers and learned their learned their trade there and built up their contacts but have wanted to come out of that environment for you know too much red tape or whatever it might be to to do something where they can be a bit more a bit more nimble without you know things can happen a lot quicker in an independent than they can in a big corporate so yeah, we've been we've been lucky so far, but it hasn't been easy. And and when when it comes to then, you know, it's easy enough in Singapore or or the UK where I'm from. But then when you're trying to employ people in other markets, where and particularly over the last few years, you know, when we haven't been able to travel, making those decisions, often interview over Zoom or those kind of conversations, it's then it's then very difficult. You, you don't know until you've made the right decision, or or there's that click, or it's the right personality, until they come in. But I think we've we've been We've made the right decisions in the most part so far. Wonderful, wonderful. And and I met a few of your members, uh, both online and uh, also in person. There's some really great... Uh some great individuals yeah. there, uh, inspiring people, fun, fun to to hang out with also at the same time. So I think you have kind of the best of both worlds. It's fun to hang out with and uh, at the same time also really specialists, uh, like you said, in their core market. So uh, that is uh, that is really, really great. Um, as we're coming uh, closely to an end uh, of, of today's session, uh, there's uh, so many other things that we can talk about, uh, of course, uh, James, but we cannot cannot take too much of your time and we can also not keep these podcasts too long, right? Uh, uh, but uh, there's always a question that comes to the end uh, that I kind of uh, traditionally want to ask every person that, it, that is on the podcast and get their point of view 
on in, in, on how they would do things. So we just imagine you would just have to start all over again, James, and you need to build your, your boutique agency uh, from scratch, right? What are three things you would focus on in the first 30 days of building your business again? And why are those specific three things important to you? Okay, yeah. So what would I do? I would oh, I definitely I'd join leading RE, that's for sure. <laughs> well, wonderful. I'm, yeah, I'm so happy you made that your first I actually point. did that within the first 30 days when I, when I set up um, six years ago, you know, when I, talking to Chris and having moved from my last company. So I would definitely do that. Um, yeah, I think I think definitely, and we, you know, we we've in, we've invested a lot of time in this, but website and um, you know your kind of internal systems, definitely getting that right from the beginning. You can you can waste a lot of money on that if you don't you don't don't, don't do that properly early, yeah. and then and then building a very strong online you know online presence, which is critical to to any business. So yeah. you know, I think I think those would be the, the things that I would do to start with. Had a, had I had to do it all over again, which I hope I don't. No, no, I'm sure you don't have to, but it's just, you know, looking back, right? Because uh, along the process, you know, uh, we hear a lot of, you know, people, you know, you you make either mistakes or you have certain challenges uh, throughout the journey, right? So sometimes, you know, when you look back, you think like, oh, maybe I should have done that differently or I should have done that earlier in the process, something like that. So you would say, of course, leading RE and then you say the website, that's, that's always kind of a tedious process, I, I could imagine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is, and it's always it's always forever changing. But I think getting that getting that as right as you can early on, you know, is 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 really important. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, before uh, before we end, I still have one more question left for you, James. But again, I just want to quickly remind our uh, our listeners on our beautiful uh, global symposium coming up on the 29th, 30th September and the 1st of October. We're going to have a lot of guests. You can go to symposium.leadingre.com. Uh, we just uh, we just uh, put on the uh, additional speakers that will be there during the event, three day, including property tour. Uh, a lot of uh, great, uh, we're going to have a, a gala in the evening. We're going to have a party night in the evening and it's just going to be a lot of fun. So if you're with Leading RE, make sure you join us during the global symposium. Uh, coming to an end, uh, James, uh, is there anything else, a message, uh, something you would like to say, something you want to our listeners to know or anything else you want to leave us with before we end? Um, well, Firstly, thanks very much for having having me on, Taka. It's been it's been brilliant. Um, and all I would say is that you know, from a leading RE perspective, just just make sure you come and join us at the global symposium if you haven't haven't booked a space or and if you can't attend that, make sure you attend the next event because they're you know they're an invaluable use of time and you know it's great to get together in person with everyone. Um, and that's really it for me. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, uh, great, uh, James. Uh, again, I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being uh, here on the podcast here at Million Dollar Question. It's great to have you, uh, you know, uh, of course, part of Leading RE, but it's also just great to always get your insights, your stories, and, and just to, to, to have a, a company like One Global that is expanding so well and doing so great with such a wonderful team uh, to work together with you guys. So thank you again so much, and uh, we wish you all the best of luck for this year and uh, for, for the and all the upcoming years. Thank you so much, James. Thanks very much, Taco. Thanks for having me. It's been brilliant. So this comes to an end of today's million dollar question. Uh, more guests coming very, very soon, either from Jessica or from myself. 
It was a great pleasure having James with us here today. See you next time. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.